The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Born to be Breastfed. Thank you. I'm very, very glad that you're here. Without you, I wouldn't have a show. And I would also like to say that without great guests, I... Well, actually, I probably would have a show, but (laughs) I'm really glad to have great guests. And I have one today. It is Alyssa Schnell. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Alyssa is the author of Breastfeeding Without Birthing. And I know that many of you may be wondering, first of all, is that even possible? And the rest of you may be wondering, well, if it is possible, like, who exactly would that be? So, Alyssa, I know that in your book, you actually identify six different groups of women, mothers, who would be interested in breastfeeding, but haven't necessarily birthed the baby. So, could you just give us a rundown here of who we're talking about? Of course. And I can add one more to the list since I wrote the book. I can give you some. Okay. 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 Um, Adopted mothers. And that's really where I came from, my personal background. So that's a mom who may want to breastfeed but hasn't birthed the baby. Intended mothers. So those are mothers through surrogacy. Foster mothers. Uh, Now, there's a bit of controversy here, and this is kind of a new a new idea of a foster mother breastfeeding, but it's another option. Um, okay. In a, and we can talk more about that later if you wish. In uh, same-sex female couples, the non-gestational mother may wish to breastfeed together with the gestational mother, so in a co-nursing relationship. Or maybe perhaps if it's adoption, they would both be non-gestational mothers. It okay. could be a mother who has birth, but not just birth. So let's say... She birthed her baby and didn't initiate breastfeeding or discontinued breastfeeding earlier than she wanted it, and she wants to bring her milk back in. She may be a relactating mother, so that's another breastfeeding without birthing mother. Uh, exclusively pumping mothers. These are mothers who may have kept up their milk supply the whole time, but they're not. They're pumping and bottle feeding, and if they wish to bring baby back to breast, that would be something also my book addressed is bring an older baby back to breast. And then the last one I wanted to mention that I was not really aware of when I wrote the book was uh, trans females. Sometimes, so these are uh-huh. individuals who are born um, with, a, uh, with an assignation as being male, with 
the male, traditional male body parts, but identify as female, and they may wish to nurse their babies as well. You give a lot of options and ideas here. Am I to presume that you have worked with all or nearly all of these groups? Let's see. I guess I've worked with all of them. Except, well, the foster mother is something that I, I am currently working with a mother who is hoping to breastfeed in the future, but uh, her baby has not arrived yet. And, uh, and I have not worked with trans female yet, and I certainly hope that I get the opportunity to do that. Alyssa, also, I was having trouble hearing you when you defined what the intended mother is. I know you said that in in your book, but for the benefit of those who might have had trouble hearing, could you repeat, please, what is the intended mother? The intended mother is a mother in a surrogacy situation, so the permanent mother. Okay. And you didn't necessarily address the surrogate mother, I, I'm wondering if it's because the surrogate mother actually did give birth, but is there anything special or, or unusual maybe about the surrogate mother that uh, we should be aware of? Well, first of all, I just want to clarify the language. Um, the term okay. surrogate mother is not really appreciated very much uh, by intended parents. It tends to imply that the baby was conceived through IUI, so that the baby is genetically connected with the surrogate. And generally today, babies and surrogacies are conceived through IVF. And so they first use the term gestational carrier. Um, But I can't, I'd be happy to address that. And that really is part of the situation for intended parents. There is a legal agreement between the intended parents and the gestational carrier, and breastfeeding could be part of that. It could be that the gestational carrier will nurse the baby during the hospital stay so the baby gets colostrum. It could be that the gestational carrier expresses her milk for a period of time to provide for the baby. And that can be something that is agreed on and part of the legal agreement ahead of time. It could even be part of choosing a gestational carrier. If the intended parent finds this important, they'll choose a carrier who's willing to do it. Most definitely, that was my next question. So good for you in anticipating that. I want to talk, uh, I want to go back to that bit about the foster mother because I think there's a lot of meat there. But before we go too much further, uh, I think I know what breastfeeding is. Most people that are listening probably think they know what breastfeeding is. And probably if they're listening to this show, they all understand how important breastfeeding is. But you define breastfeeding a little bit differently than maybe the rest of us think of breastfeeding. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, I'd be happy to. And this is one of the real goals of my book is that I don't believe that breastfeeding has to be all or nothing. And certainly in a breastfeeding without birthing situation, in most cases it's not going to be possible to bring in a full milk supply. That doesn't mean that breastfeeding is impossible. So what my emphasis is that any amount of milk made or any amount of time at the breast, that counts. That's that's breastfeeding. We do what we can and take the parts that work for us. I know that you have been deliberately vague with that definition, but I think that's okay. And what's more is, I guess that as big of a breastfeeding advocate as I am, I've always kind of stressed that idea that some is better than nothing, for heaven's sakes. Right, right. I think we open the doors to so many more people that way. Well, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes it's by choice. Sometimes it's by circumstance. But in a way, it's all about what can we give to the baby that's bigger than zero. And so to me, if it's bigger than zero, 
I'm all for it. Uh, talk to us about this foster mother thing, because I have a boatload of questions about this. Uh, first of all, what's going on in Minnesota with this understanding of natural, help me with the words there, but the thing about how the, the baby who is in foster care is entitled to these natural events or natural, whatever they call them. How does this fit in with breastfeeding? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, I think the word that you're looking for is normalcy. And what foster children are guaranteed is the continuation of normal things that would happen. And the example was given that if the foster parents want to enroll the child in a football team, then they should have the opportunity to do that without getting permission from the biological parents. So what is more normal, of course, than breastfeeding? Um, Certainly normal and healthy, and, you know, we all know that that's true. So that is one avenue that we're trying to work towards to get policies in place that protect breastfeeding for foster parents who wish to do that. And, Alyssa, is that something that is only being done in Minnesota, to the best of your understanding, or do you think it's in other states as well? I think that there's this one particular mother I'm working with in Minnesota who's a real advocate, and she wants to change some laws. or well, not really change the laws, because in most cases, there just are no laws about sure. breastfeeding. And so that makes it very tricky and confusing and puts people in difficult situations. And what's happening a lot now is that there are some foster mothers who are breastfeeding, and they're doing it sort of under the table in secrecy. Um, and this particular mother, and I totally agree with her, she wants to be above board with it, and she wants to be there to be a policy in place. And she lives in Minnesota, so that's where she's beginning, and that seems like as good of a place as ever. So, um, yeah, we got to start somewhere. And since she's there wanting to be an advocate, I think that's amazing. And I just want to be a loud voice here and use this radio show to tell people if you are in other states and if this is something that you're interested in, uh, realize that all of these laws that protect people, kids, whatever, have to start somewhere. And they can certainly be duplicated in some way. Now, thank you, by the way, for that word that I was searching for, which was normalcy. Uh, and, and I'm really glad, I really hand it to her that she wants to be, as you say, above board rather than doing closet nursing. I think all of us have been doing too much closet nursing for way too many years. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. But now, Alyssa, I want to take the devil's advocate side here for a moment. We all know that breastfeeding is, is, it is certainly more than just food. It's also about attachment and bonding. So if I'm a lawmaker, one of the things that I might be saying to you is, well, look, Ms. Schnell, uh, how, doesn't this really mess the baby up that he gets bonded or attached or the mother gets bonded or attached? And they, they know from the get-go that this baby is going to go back to a parent. So what kind of psychological effect does this have? That would be what I would be asking. Yes, yes. And with this mom in Minnesota, we have identified several concerns that may come up, and that's a big one. Uh, And the research actually shows the opposite to be true, that children who are securely attached to one caregiver are much more likely to be able to securely attach to another versus a child who had a period of lack of attachment 
they, they've lost that skill. So actually by attaching very securely to a foster mother is going to be helpful in the long run. Not to say that it's going to be, you know, very difficult to, you know, that loss, and I don't mean to minimize that, but in the sure. long run, mental health of the child, it's actually better for them to form that secure attachment with the foster mother. Well, let me just say that uh, that that answer really surprised me, and and for you listeners out there, you can tell we don't rehearse these things. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I was thinking really a child who has a relation a good relationship with a parent tends to have good relationships with friends, tends to have good relationship with their future spouse, et cetera, et cetera. And so, in a way, I guess that kind of really makes sense to me that the baby is learning. Uh, a relationship skill, if you will. And so that that's pretty interesting. Are there any other downsides that have been bandied around, bandied around about that? I suspect so. Yeah, so we've identified several concerns. One that you mentioned. Um, another concern is, could there be any dangerous diseases potentially passed from the foster mother to the infant through nursing? Um, and oh, so right. that would be a simple... Screening, um, a note from the foster mother's doctor to say that she's safe to breastfeed. You know, much as we would do if somebody was donating to, um, yeah. you know, a nonprofit milk bank. So yeah, that's I, kind of already I, I been a... done. We already know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, there yeah. could be the other concern that could, could there be a dangerous illness in the infant that's passed to the foster mother? Again, you know, we would have to get detailed medical history of the baby to ensure that that, that wouldn't happen. Sure. Uh, and then the... And then the other uh, issue that we didn't discuss is, is there a concern that if the baby is breastfeeding with the foster mother, goes back to the biological mother who's intending to bottle feed, you know, will the baby take a bottle after all that breastfeeding? We know that sometimes that happens with babies will refuse a bottle. Um, And to address that, the plan really would be to just maintain doing some bottle feeding in in combination with breastfeeding just to make sure that the baby is able to feed in both ways. And who knows, maybe the biological mother would want to breastfeed. So that would kind of keep the doors open for whatever she chooses. And it's also important to remember that not every foster baby goes back to the biological family. Some of these foster mothers end up adopting. So that would be another reason why it would be so nice to initiate the breastfeeding relationship sooner versus later. Yeah, I was thinking that one, too. Wow, this has really been very interesting. Hey, everybody, don't go away, because on the other side of the break, I'm going to ask Alyssa to talk about exclusive uh, pumping. And so don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with my guest, author Alyssa Schnell. And Alyssa is here to talk to us about truly breastfeeding outside the box. Now, before we went to break, we were talking about the different groups of mothers, and she actually named seven different groups of people who might, in fact, be breastfeeding out of the box. Uh, The one I want to have you drill down a little bit more for us on is exclusive pumping, Uh, Alyssa, I don't know if you see this quite the way I see it, but it basically amounts to the mother has actually birthed the baby, but for one reason or another, she has chosen to pump her milk rather than feed the baby at the breast. Uh, Very often I see that people kind of see this as, oh, wow, this is really great. I get to pick my own schedule. I don't have to deal with sore nipples, etc., but I'm wondering, can you give her, give us maybe a more balanced idea of the pros and cons of what seem to me like exclusive of exclusive pumping issues? Sure. I think there's lots of reasons why people will choose to exclusive pump. Maybe some of the more common would be that the nursing at the breast is not going well. It's either very painful oh. or the baby isn't transferring milk well. So if there's enough milk, the mother can pump and be really know how much milk the baby's getting and feel more safe and secure that the baby's getting enough or that maybe it's a matter of her needs getting met if there's a lot of pain. And just to be clear, that when there's pain with breastfeeding or the baby's having difficulties transferring milk, that is a wonderful time to go see an international board-certified lactation consultant because that's the kind of thing we deal with all the time. And I certainly hope that there are people who are not choosing to exclusively breastfeeding because they have a lack of information or support. That's really a shame. But there may be other reasons why that is the right thing for them. 
And there may be also, um, you know, emotional reasons why it works better. Like, for example, if a mother has a history of sexual abuse, putting a baby to the breast could be a trigger for her. And sure. that's just not something that she's able to do at that time. And she may not even be able to voice to the lactation consultant that's what's going on. So we have to always know that there's that, that's a possibility. And to be, you know, warm and accepting of wherever that mom is at because we don't know what the history is. Yes, yes. And, and by the way, I think that some people just find it distasteful. They just plain just don't like the idea. Yeah, yeah, I think that could be true, and I don't know if that's a hormonal thing, or there certainly are people who really enjoy a lot of touch, and there are other people who don't like touch at all, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it could be a disposition thing, I think there are a lot of reasons, and maybe that's not our job to decide what the reason is, but to be there for the parents wherever they're at, and, you know, and one of the things I address in my book is if they made a decision and regretted it later, that's okay, too, and we'll help, we'll work with them there and help them bring the baby back to breast if they regret their decision. But if they don't, we're also there to support them to exclusively pump and bottle feed if that's what's going to work for them. Yeah, I, I want to pick up on this just a tad because I know of people for whom they don't like to have a full body massage. They just don't like that. That's distasteful. It just turns them off. And, you know, to me, I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is a really great thing. But I think we really need to be respectful of the fact that you know, it doesn't need to be any deep-seated reason. It's just, Yuck, I don't like it, or I do like it, or I whatever. But can you name for us some of the cons of the exclusive breastfeed, uh, excuse me, the exclusive pumping? Well, I mean, I think the biggest con is uh, we call it double feeding because for each feeding, there's some pumping and some bottle feeding. And now a lot of exclusively pumping mothers may not need to express their milk as frequently as the baby eats, but still... At the very minimum, they're going to probably be expressing their milk five times a day and usually six to seven. So that's a lot of time, you know, spending both pumping and bottle feeding. Now, on the other hand, somebody else could give the bottle. So, I mean, there's, there's different ways to look at it, but it is time-consuming. Sure. I think for some moms, too, if they're going back to work, they feel like, oh, I'm already pumping at work. I'll just continue the same routine, and that might be an advantage to them, too. Sure, sure. It, you know, I just always want them to understand that they've got to have the paraphernalia, they got to lug it around, they got to wash bottles 24-7, you know, all of that stuff, which uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is none of these things is necessarily a perfect solution. You just have to pick what works for you. What I'm hearing you, Alyssa, say is that you kind of help people to figure out what actually is going to work for them and to meet them where they're at. Right, yeah. And I often ask my clients, you know, what feels manageable to you? And something that might seem, to me, putting a baby to the breast seems like the easiest, most convenient thing and the most beautiful thing, but I know that that's not everyone and that that for some people that does not feel manageable. Well, and as my father used to remind me, that's what makes a world is that everybody has a different take on things. So here's another thing. Honestly, in this show, my big mission is to bust the myths and clarify the facts. If you were to name maybe the top two or three or four myths about these out-of-the-box situations, what would they be and what would the fact be? Well, I think the, the biggest one that comes to mind is that 
a full milk supply is not necessary in order to be successful with nursing. Um, there are people that I've worked with who've made some milk, a little bit of milk, and no milk at all. And sure. they still have very successful breastfeeding relationships. So it's just it's important to have the support. Um, but the truth is that there's lots of advantages to nursing, whether or not that all the milk is there. Alyssa, excuse me, I want to interrupt you for a moment and say this reminds me of Diana West's book, and we've had Diana as a guest on the show. Uh, She talks about defining your own success, and it sounds like you're in that camp as well. I love that term. Um, In fact, when I was working on um, planning for breastfeeding my child by adoption, Her book, Defining Your Own Success, was the best book out there for me, even though it was designed for people who've had breast reduction surgery. There is so much overlap between adoption and breast reduction surgery in that there's the oftentimes not a full milk supply, need to supplement, that kind of thing. And her book is one of my favorites out there, and and I love that attitude of we each get to pick what's the success for us. And I think that's so true in the rest of our lives as well. I don't really think of myself as a scholar, and yet I've gone to college. Uh, you, you know, I, I defined my own success. I don't know that that's any different with breastfeeding an adopted baby or breastfeeding after reduction or anything. We all define our own success. It's just a matter of, and that's not everybody else's definition. Can, can you name a couple of other myths for us? Well, I think another big one um, with inducing lactation, which is not all the situations we've talked about, but a lot of them, is that it's necessary to take artificial hormones in order to induce lactation. A lot of people feel that way and they feel concerned either for mom's health in taking these hormones or whether the hormones would actually get in the milk and affect baby. Um, And it is, you know, there are some situations where mothers will take artificial hormones, but it is not necessary. And if that is not going to be a good fit for that mom, she can still induce lactation. And I guess another sort of myth that kind of goes hand in hand with that is not necessarily having to do with medications, but this concern that if a mother induces lactation, her milk will be somehow unnatural or unhealthy for the Uh, baby. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's... And I can understand that, cause it, and I see why people feel that it is that it may not be natural. There isn't a lot of research on this. There's one study that looked at the composition of the milk of mothers who induced lactation compared to the composition of milk of mothers who gave birth, and it, they were totally comparable. I mean, I think nature is just our bodies are so amazing and flexible, and they're just they're designed to make the species survive and. and it's just amazing. Our, our, our bodies really are designed to make milk for our children, whether we birth them or not. I really want to emphasize that because, honestly, I've been in this for more than 30 years, and there are people that I kind of raise my own eyebrow, and I think, oh, brother, I don't see how this is ever going to work. But, uh, you know, luckily, I've always been smart enough to shut my mouth <laughs> because, <laughs> there are, well, there are people that have just surprised me. And I've had that happen enough to realize that our bodies are amazing. And I think that we really need to keep that in mind that, um, well, this is what I always say. 
the human species is rigged for survival of the species. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely what it's all about. And uh, so, Alyssa, I want to go back to the people think that you absolutely have to have hormone therapy. And by the way, we had somebody on the show uh, a few years ago who basically did not have any hormone therapy. And in fact, the the other number of disadvantages that she had uh, were, were just amazing. And of course, she continued to lactate, I think, for more than, yeah, it was either a year or two. But anyway, uh, that is a myth. That absolutely is. But would you say that if a woman has never given birth ever, ever, ever in her life, would you say that she will not, there, that at least some women will not need hormones under that circumstance? Can you, so you're saying that if she's never given birth, is there's a question of whether she would need hormones in order to make, uh, let me, can you repeat it again? Yeah, never been pregnant, never given birth, then would you see her as therefore absolutely having to have hormones under those circumstances? Oh, I see. Well, first of all, I don't see any mother absolutely having to induce lactation if she wants to. I always offer the option if a mother wants to comfort nurse, so if she wants to feed the baby with a bottle and nurse for comfort, much as we would use a pacifier, that's an option. Or if she wants to exclusively use an at-breast supplementer, so a tiny feeding tube delivering supplement at the breast so she can still nurse without producing any milk. But those are definitely options, so start there. But if inducing lactation is important to her, I let her know that use of medications generally results in more milk and more quickly. However, yeah, yeah. that's a choice that she can make. Right. You know, and if right. she chooses to use no medications or herbs only or pharmaceutical medications or any combination of that, you know, I am there to support her. It's, and I also want to take a step back and we've talked a lot about, you know, medications and stuff, but the primary way to induce lactation is the physical stimulation of the breast. So either um, hand expression or breast massage or using a breast pump or a baby at the breast, those kinds of physical stimulations, that is what's necessary. And then adding on um, any kind of medication is sort of icing on the cake. That helps the process along, but that's not what causes anything. And I have, I actually was working with a, a mother recently who just was taking a lot of medications and nothing was happening, and she, she didn't know what was going on. And uh-huh. that's because uh-huh. you can you can take all those. It's really the stimulation that causes the milk to come in. Yes, and before we take a break, I just want to add to that very good list that Alyssa just gave us of that contact. And I want to mention also skin-to-skin contact, which may or not may or may not be actually suckling at the breast. It may be putting the baby between the breasts or whatever, but that physical stimulation uh, is also part of that whole cadre of things that Alyssa's talking about. Hey, listen, when we come back, we're going to talk about support for these women. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional... 
Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with my guest, Alyssa Schnell, who is the author of Breastfeeding Without Birthing. Alyssa, several times during the show, you've mentioned support, and I'm intrigued by the fact that in your book, you mention basically three different uh, aspects of support. The first one is sort of creating your own support network. Uh, The second one is having that interaction, and the third one is the community support. Can you speak to to the importance of this support? Like, what does this really mean? Yeah, I think that support, and I started my book at the very beginning talking about support because I feel like that is sort of the foundation of the success is that, we, you know, we can't do this alone. Uh, We're not meant to parent alone, and in a special situation like this, we need extra support. So... There's a lot of opportunities for finding that. Um, the, in my book, I ended. I was going to have one chapter on support, but I had found so much information on the importance of partner support that it ended up pulling into its own chapter. Um, nope. And I think that the partner support is probably the most important type of support there is. Uh, a lot of moms today are finding support online. There are Facebook groups for breastfeeding in most of these special situations that I talked about, and that's been a really important source of support, as well as, you know, support from the the medical community. Um, Doctors and lactation consultants is extremely important. Even support from employers becomes an issue, especially with a lot of these parents who are inducing lactation before baby arrives. 
one time, one thing to ask for time off of work to pump when you've got a baby waiting in daycare. <laughs> but if there's no babies been born, yep. that can be a little tricky to get time off to work. So, yep. so there's where yep. employer support comes into play. There's no laws protecting pumping in the workplace when there's been no baby born yet. Yeah, that's a little tricky. And and I'm also thinking that there are probably some employers who would be saying, what, what are you talking about? You haven't even had a baby. They could be, yes, not understanding about the whole thing. And, you know, there's always ways to get around these things. Um, and what I suggest to parents is if that becomes an obstacle, they do have, in most cases, there is a lunch hour, so they may be able to leave the premises and pump in. And then for throughout the day, every time they go to the bathroom, they can do some hand expression. Nobody would ever know. It's not going to take, yep. you know, any more than a minute longer than they would have been in there anyway. Um, yep. So there's, there's there's ways to get around these things if we're clever. Yeah, you know, I would also say that some women become very, very, very fast at doing hand expression. You would be surprised how much hand expression you can do in maybe two minutes. And nobody's going to be timing you going to the ladies' room for sure. Right. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, really. Uh, so I, really I thought well, well, I just remember one time going to the restroom while I was working labor and delivery. A, a colleague went to the restroom at the same time, and I was astonished at how much milk she got in what seemed like, I mean, it was a very short amount of time, certainly, but she was very experienced, very fast, and I would really encourage people, don't see this as, oh, you know, second best to pumping, or oh, it takes too long. It's just like anything else. Once you are able to do any skill or technique with your hands, eventually you're able to do it more quickly. And I want to add there that, at least in my mind, getting a rhythm is what really addresses that. Uh, You also talk in the book about the transition. Talk to us about what the transition is and why it's important. I have a chapter in the book called Honor the Transition. And that's really addressed to children who are adopted when they're older babies or toddlers. And if these babies or young children are not used to being held while they're being fed, or they may have a bottle nipple that's been tampered with so that the bottle opening is enlarged and they can take the bottle in one minute flat, or they're not having regular um, eye contact with a caregiver, these babies are not going to be ready to breastfeed. You know, that's yep. a very intimate act. And so we want to honor their transition and gradually get them to a place where they're ready to be offered the breast. So what we want to start with is gradually start feeding them while being held, feeding them with a bottle, but be holding them while they're doing it. Um, using a bottle nipple that's untampered, maybe starting with a fast flow and then moving to a medium flow and a slow flow, which is going to be more like breastfeeding. Wait till they're ready to make eye-to-eye contact. So... Whenever, so we want to wait till they're ready for that close level of contact before offering the breast. We always want to make it a positive nurturing experience and not push it on them before they're ready. Absolutely. Alyssa, I always try to encourage parents to get a little bit of history as to how the baby was fed before the, the, the mother gets the baby. But, you know, you and I have lived long enough to know that sometimes there just isn't any history, I mean, obviously there is history, but but that history is somehow not accessible. Can you help us to think about some clues to look for in the baby where the baby is really trying to communicate that he or she is just not, not really quite ready for all this? Right. Well, 
I think the body language tells a lot. If the baby is relaxed in your arms, that's a different thing than a baby who's rigid. You also want to look for the eye contact. If they're not able to make eye contact, that would tell you a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I can think of one little girl who all she did was cry. And to me, what that said was just a lot of presence and a lot of... um, helping to sort of build the relationship in a less um, intimate way, I would suppose. But, yeah, that's really... So, Alyssa, also, can you talk to us a little bit about how, even though this has been my experience of mothers in general, mothers think that their kid is going to be like everybody else's kid on the block, you know, that their their kid has got to walk at the same time that somebody else's kid walked and they've got to uh, ride a bike at the same age and so forth. Uh, wouldn't you say that there are some mothers who seemingly have the same circumstance? They're an adoptive mother or an intended mother or a foster mother or whatever, but there's actually very very big subtleties within that. And how do you help them with getting support that's meaningful? Right. I mean, I think that's the downfall of a book is that it's written to everyone. And this is where, you know, individual one-on-one support is so helpful. I really encourage anyone, you know, in addition to getting a good book, is to work with an IBCLC who can work with them, you know, individually looking at their their particular circumstances, including health of mom, health of baby, history of baby, circumstances of, you know, has baby arrived yet or do we have a match or do we know, uh, and also values of what, what's important to the parents and kind of take the whole thing together and make a plan that's going to be individually suited to this family, just as we do with anybody we see in a lactation sure. consult. We don't have one answer for every problem. That's why they come see us because everybody's different. I think, though, your real message here is get some professional support. That I think, while yeah. Yeah, your friends are really important, your partner is important, your community is important, but this is a little different, and getting that professional support helps you to realize that your circumstances are not necessarily like your other friends' circumstances, and it's not going to play out that way. I think it helps people to develop a slightly different, I don't know, expectation, anticipation, whatever the word is. And uh, my guess is that you really empower these women to kind of define and create their own success. Would that be true? I like to think so. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's really a very exciting time for breastfeeding. Certainly, uh, many years ago, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. And uh, I just think it's really important that everybody knows that you know, it's kind of like anything else. We've got to find our way, and there's not necessarily one way, and sometimes we need a little bit of help to try to figure out what that is. Hey, everybody, don't go away. On the other side of the break, I am going to be asking Alyssa to talk a little bit more about what you can do in your own circumstances, and we'll be wrapping up. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I have with me today author Alyssa Stell, who has written her book on breastfeeding without birthing. Uh, Alyssa, I've just been an author long enough to know. I've been an educator long enough to know there are certain parts about my book or my course or my whatever that I like the best. What do you love the most about your book? Oh, that's a nice question. I think what my favorite part about the book is that, and we've talked about this many times before, that this idea of that breastfeeding is an all or nothing and that we want to each meet each parent where they're at and that there's success beyond bringing in a full milk supply. And that's the feedback I've gotten from other people is that they felt a lot of pressure that they needed to bring in a full milk supply to feel successful and that they felt like my book kind of 
ease up on that and help them to know that there's lots of ways to be successful. Uh, I totally love that because, again, um, I don't have to have a PhD in order to feel successful. I don't have to have a degree in broadcasting in order to feel successful as a radio show host. And I think that it's that's a great, great message that you can give in the book. And I'm sure that people actually pick up on it because... You know, it's just so true. It is so, so true. Are there any particular stories that you could tell us, maybe a couple of little snippets of clients who have been transformed by that experience of having breastfed uh, an adopted baby or a foster baby or uh, any other number of, of other circumstances some parent for whom this was a life-changing event. Can you give us a little little story? Sure. And I think it's a very common story among adoptive and intended mothers who have a history of infertility is oh, yeah. feeling yep. like their, ba- their body has failed them. Yep. And yep. breastfeeding is a way that they can feel like, wow, look what my body can do. Look how amazing it is. And it isn't just a failure to me, but a real powerful part of who I am. So it's been very healing for a lot of those parents. And that isn't just one story, but one that I've heard over and over, over again. And over. Yes, yes. As you were telling that story, I was thinking about a woman who uh, actually had twins, but she had had a history of infertility for 19 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I encouraged her to feed one baby at a time until she got a little bit more, you know, able to handle it all, uh, she said, oh, I don't care how much time it takes. I've spent 19 years waiting for these babies. <laughs> That's right. I think there is a very different yeah. kind of appreciation in those situations. And, you know, when I was, uh, I just adopted my daughter, and I was at a party, and somebody said, oh, you got a baby the easy way. And I thought, you know, it is not Whoa. the easy way. I've done it both ways, <laughs> let me tell you. Adoption is not, I know that there's no labor and delivery, but... It's the emotional part is so much harder than the physical part of uh, pregnancy and birth. It, it's really hard um, in so many levels. And, you know, the, the breastfeeding, in my experience, and I think in many people, has been healing of that. And, and, you know, it helps that connection that happens. But it's harder, when you know, when you're pregnant and you have nine months to see your body changing and becoming more acclimated to this new being that's going to be in your life. With adoption, it's often you get a call and pick up the baby tomorrow. So anything that can help facilitate that connection between the two of you that's happened so instantaneously um, is really important and valuable. And, I, you know, I, I know it was extremely important to me, but now that my child is older, I can see how it was valuable to her, too. That preparation time, because that story that you tell is not unusual. Pick up the baby tomorrow. And I remember one couple that adopted a baby with some very severe defects. And I remember saying to myself, I am very sure that if that baby came out of my body, I could accept it. But I don't know if I could go to the airport and pick up that baby. Uh, Can you talk to us just a little bit about how we folk who are listening, some of us are professionals, some of us are our next door neighbors, some of us are whatever. How can we help to help this woman with the emotional piece, which you say is so very hard? Because at least in my experience, sometimes the, the things that get 
People talk about a breastfeeding problem, and sometimes it's really not a breastfeeding problem at all. It's really an emotional problem. So mm-hmm. how do we help people in these situations? How can we, as just ordinary folk, be supportive of this woman? Well, I think there's a feeling with, like, if a mother has just given birth, we want to give her lots of extra help, help around the house, bringing meals over, that kind of thing, because she's so physically exhausted from what she's been through. And it's important to realize that adoptive and intended mothers need that same kind of postpartum support that you know any mother does. And there's actually even something called post-adoption depression that oh, looks yeah. and feels exactly like postpartum depression. So, you know, all the hormones are there. That's one of the reasons why breastfeeding works, I think, is that the hormones are still there when you adopt yep. or you store it through surrogacy. And to to treat that new those new parents, you know, with tender loving care just as you would any new parent and give them the extra help and support. Because they're going to be just as tired as anybody. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Alyssa, we're starting to close in on finishing up here. Could you tell us the full title of your book, where we can find it, about how much it is, and what uh, versions it's available? Um, it's called Breastfeeding Without Birthing, a breastfeeding guide through mothers to adoption, surrogacy, and other special circumstances. It's available on Amazon, and you can get it in a book form or in Kindle. Um, I also have other... Uh, some other sources of resources. I have a podcast called Breastfeeding Outside the Box, and we interview um, all these parents who are breastfeeding in unusual situations as well as professionals who support them. Excellent. And give us your website, please. Uh, You can go to breastfeedingwithoutbirthing.com, and it's got all of the, the links there that you might need. Excellent, excellent. Well, as usual, this hour always goes much, much, much too fast, but that is all the time that we have today. Before we sign off, I'd like to thank Alyssa Snell for being with us today. Alyssa, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'd especially like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week as well. Now, if you're interested in books or other media that was mentioned on this show or on previous shows, check out our Amazon store. We do have an affiliate link. Just visit borntobebreastfed.com, and you'll see Alyssa Snell's book as well as other books that we and Diana West's book, others that uh, we have had before or even even after this show. So that's borntobebreastfed.com for the books and media or for my blog and whatever for parents who are listening. um, Check out my Facebook too. Feel free to leave a question for me or for Alyssa or any of our guests. And by the way, just remember to like us while you're there. Now, if you are a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web And sometimes in your city, I can tell you that this will be one of the topics that will be on one of those courses. My courses and tons of resources in my blog and much more are available at my professional site. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember... Your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week... 
do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.